Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Chris Anderson, here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys improve their practice. We're glad you could listen today on Legal Talk Network. I'm Christopher Anderson. I'm a product manager at LexisNexis, but also a former practicing attorney in a small law firm in Athens, Georgia, as well as a former prosecutor. I've been speaking to attorneys across the country about operating their law firms and managing their law firms more like a law firm business, including helping them to get paid. Today's episode of the Unavailable Hour is the art of getting paid, and I'm really happy to have Jeff Krause and Loretta Rupert with me as our guests in talking about this really important topic. Loretta Rupert is a community management, bar relations, and subject matter expert at LexisNexis. She's been integrally involved also with the building of LexisNexis for a manager. She's a legal billing and accounting expert and a thought leader in content development on these topics. Previously, she's been a chief financial officer and controller for a 50-plus attorney law firm, was a professional service manager at a CPA firm. She's married, has two daughters, and two English labs. Also joining us is Jeff Krause, who's a Wisconsin attorney, and he's the founding partner of Solfecta LLC. Solfecta is what Jeff is doing now after his career in private practice when he began assisting other attorneys in using technology in their law practices. Um, Since 1998, he's assisted hundreds of law firms configuring and implementing and using and learning how to use to better their practice, uh, the technologies on which he consults. He's a certified and authorized consultant on lots of different office applications. He's a frequent author and also a speaker on a variety of legal technology topics. For five years now, he's also been the primary contributor to Jeff Krause's practice management blog, which is now called the Solfecta blog. And there he's earned lots of techno lawyer blog world pick of the week selections. He's also the chair of technology at the Wisconsin Solo Small Firm Conference for the past four years. His expertise ranges from document management, email systems, time and billing, web marketing, office suite applications, and he's been consulting and working on those for many, many years. So welcome, Jeff, and welcome, Loretta. Uh, Really excited about our uh, call today uh, regarding the unbillable hour. The objective for the topic specifically today is the art of getting paid. Jeff, you were a practicing attorney. I've been a practicing attorney. Loretta's worked with practicing attorneys, and as we all know, one of the biggest pains that we all always face is the uncomfortable situation of having to become a collection agent or worse yet, hire one. So this topic is about how to prevent and dig yourself out of that collection hole, essentially how to get paid. So I'll just kick it off, if you guys don't mind, with Jeff. In, in this topic, we all know it's a pain for lawyers, but what trends are you seeing in the legal industry today that impact how new business comes into law firms? Thanks, Chris. First of all, law firms are seeing that that clients are more sophisticated, at least in terms of technology. And related to that, a lot of clients think they're more sophisticated in terms of the law. For example, you know, if you look at how people interact with their doctor these days, they can simply log into a web portal. They can get uh, information on every appointment they've had, every test they've had done. Those results are available there as well. And law firm clients are starting to expect that same thing from their law firms. They want to be able to log in somewhere, see all the documents, maybe see what's been done recently on their file, see their bills, and have a quick link to pay. 
And then to my second point about how they believe they're more sophisticated than the law, there is so much out there on the Internet these days that people can just search. So they're researching law firms, they're looking at the ratings that you might have somewhere, and they're also researching legal topics, which means that in some cases they're even more likely to question a bill because you know they're doing research and we all know we can't believe what you see on the Internet, but a lot of people do. So they're looking at these topics and then that, in some cases, leads them to question a bill because they're doing some research that they're comparing to what was done on the bill. So if clients are more sophisticated with technology, and in many cases, they believe they're more sophisticated in terms of the law. I can understand that. So, Loretta, if everybody's gone mobile and everybody's getting sophisticated, is anybody paying with a check anymore? No. (laughs) And if they are, I think that there's a really high expectation that you should be able to do it from an app. For goodness sakes, you can get Starbucks with an app anymore. And if you look at the way cab drivers to hairdressers, they're all using iPads or smartphones to take payments. Why aren't attorneys? So there are so many firms today that they don't accept credit cards because they fear that fee of a 2 to 3%, but yet they're not taking a look at an account's receivable balance of where they might have 20 to 25% of what they're owed in a 90-day past due column. So those are some things that, you know, definitely what we're seeing is that our consumers and our clients have gone mobile, lawyers are mobile, they need to start accepting payments, and there's lots of easy ways to do that today you know, just using mobile applications as well. Also, firms need to make it really easy to do business with clients, meaning that they really need to make it easy to pay you because there are secure online payment portals. I think as Jeff had kind of mentioned, clients are kind of expecting that. Uh, You need to make it really easy for them to be able to get up there and enter in a credit card, or if they're in the office, you need to be able to swipe and take a credit card. And some of the install-based types of solutions, if you don't have an online solution, like PC Law is an install-based solution, you know, they have some integrations that actually swipe and it goes directly into the system. So those are just some of the things that uh, definitely we're seeing some changes happening in the industry. Great. Well, it really struck me when you said that some lawyers are sitting on seeing 20 to 25% of accounts receivable sitting out there 30, 60, even 90 days past due. What Key issues, in your opinion, are contributing to this ongoing problem with collection issues for law firms? That is the magic question. I think, as Jerry McGuire said, you had me at hello. It begins really with setting the tone and the expectation of the relationship during the initial client meeting or that first telephone screening that you have with your client. Fee agreements are really important. I think that's your opportunity to make sure that you are clearly and explicitly saying what the expectations are, how often you'll bill, when and how you expect to get paid, the scope of the work that you've committed to, whether or not you're going to ask for a retainer up front. Those are really important. And then I think another thing that attorneys generally, I'm not saying generally, but there are some attorneys who might do this, and they need to make sure that they give the client value right away. And what I mean by that is they need to make sure that they understand the value that they bring to the table. They shouldn't downplay their expertise, and they shouldn't let a bargain hunter get the best of them. And then there's one other thing, too, that I think I can add to that, and that's really around... I think that when firms get into a bind, a lot of times it's because there's really no clear policies, processes, or procedures. And by policies, I just mean those are things where it is a firm policy to bill your case at the end of the month or at the end of the case, whichever comes sooner. It could be that all clients have to provide 25% of the estimated value of the service up front when they sign the agreement. Those are things that are policies. And I imagine just communicating those policies to their clients as well so they know what to expect. 
That's correct. It's making sure that there's a real clear indication there. And then when it comes to process and procedures, really it's about documenting the steps of how to get something done. And it's for a number of things. When you're documenting those steps of like when you receive a payment from a client, who opens the mail, who records the receipt, who enters the receipt, you know, who makes a deposit, who reconciles, it's also holding your staff accountable and making sure that there's some consistency and less room for error. Yeah, and I, I can imagine that you know having those documented procedures also help to get bills out on time, help to make sure what the content of those bills are. So especially if there's more than one biller in the firm, that everybody has a process or knows what to be putting in these things and when they're supposed to go out so that the process flows well from the time the bill goes out to the time it's come in and that this can be passed on to different support people, et cetera. Yes, that's right. And, you know, I think that there's probably one more point, too, that comes to mind. And I think with law firms, especially what we consider like a traditional law firm versus a progressive law firm, a traditional law firm is where there's a number of different attorneys and they kind of run by consensus versus one big managing partner who's basically making the decisions and pushing it from the top down is when there's a different policy, process, and procedure for each and every attorney. When you have those types of things, when you have those various different types of policies and processes and procedures, it's really hard for staff to keep it straight because it's usually some kind of a centralized billing group at that point in time. So it's straight to keep if there's an exception for every rule. So I think that the important thing there is to set up some guidelines, come together as the stakeholders within the firm, and then stick to it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Jeff, does what Loretta said make sense to you? What Loretta said makes perfect sense to me, and I wanted to elaborate a little bit, at least on that last one. I can't tell you how many law firms I go into where there's five attorneys, and it's, you know, it's a five-attorney firm that essentially runs like five law firms, that every process and procedure is just different among those five attorneys, and yet you're trying to centralize billing. It's just very difficult to manage a firm that way, and I would encourage everyone to at least try to standardize that billing. Here's some other things though, that I would bring up in addition to uh, Loretta's list. There's this tendency, you know, and I'm guessing that a lot of people listening to this will recognize this situation. They think, boy, this client is a real pain. I'm about to send them a bill, and they're not going to want to pay this. So why don't I discount this bill to encourage them to pay it? And you want to reevaluate that type of thinking. I mean, think about it. You're basically saying you've got a bad client, and you're encouraging them in some way to stay a client. By discounting that, you're, for one thing, you're going to encourage them to want to discount on their next bill. But you're also, you know, in the best case, you're writing some of your time off or you're discounting that. And what happens if they don't pay that? I mean, is there any guarantee that that bad client is going to want to pay a reduced bill? Now you've already reduced your bill. And if the worst happens and you end up in collections with them, you're probably going to end up reducing it again or paying a fee to somebody else to collect that. So reevaluate that thinking. You know, in one sense, you know, I would prefer to give a discount to my best clients to encourage them to stay with me and bill fully those bad clients in case the worst happens and I end up having to go to collections. I mean, in the worst case, you lose a bad client. I mean, is that a bad thing? Yeah, I've heard that one of the best ways to deal with a client like this sometimes is to double the retainer. Right. Right. Yeah, you know, there is this tendency for not just law firms, but a lot of businesses do the same thing. They tend to give a break to the worst clients. It's just kind of a reversal of the thinking that you should have. Encourage your best clients and fire your worst ones. That's easier said than done. I know everybody's looking for business, but just think about that a different way. It's the wrong thinking to want to discount a bad client. You should encourage bad clients not to work with you. I think another factor here is there's sort of a denial when accounts become past due. 
very often this is due to a lack of a system. So, you know, Loretta talked about policies and procedures, and a lot of firms will have a policy where you run the, the monthly AR reports, you see who's late on payments, you see who's passed due by 90 or 120 days and so on, and that essentially gets passed out to the attorneys. They, they look and see which of their clients are past due, and it essentially just goes in the trash or the recycle bin at that point, and nothing's really acted upon. So, you know, those reports are being printed for a reason, not just, you know, to be skimmed and then tossed. You need to take action on them. And again, if you don't have a system for what to do, when to flag those accounts, when there are a certain amount past due, what to do with it at that point, who's going to make the call, what script are they going to use? You know, you need a system in place that covers all of those things, not just a simple report and then skim and toss. I think then a third issue here is there's a lack of ownership on who's going to do this. And I sort of alluded to that in my previous comment, but we went to law school to learn how to practice law. Not only did we not go to law school to learn how to run a business, they don't teach nearly enough of that, but they certainly didn't teach us how to be a collection agent. So as a lawyer, I can tell you that the last thing that I would want to do is you know, have to get on the phone and basically say, hey, your account is past due, and when are you going to pay, and what are we going to do about this? That's the last thing I would want to do as an attorney. But the procedures that you put in place, they have to account for how that's going to be done. Perhaps that's the attorney. Perhaps that's a specific member of the staff. Perhaps it's a combination. But the lack of a system is going to mean that there's also no ownership as to who's going to take charge and get this done. So I would encourage attorneys to think about that as well. You know, there's got to be somebody who's in charge of getting this done. Who's responsible for a specific piece of that process may change as the bill ages, but there's got to be somebody in charge according to that system. Yeah, and I think to that point, I think a lot of lawyers see the money part of things as sort of the unseemly side of the business. And perhaps even just knowing that this is something you could delegate could be quite liberating. So really, really great points, Jeff and Loretta. Let's say, though, you know, as has happened with me, I've worked with or talked with law firms that have done what you guys have just talked about. They've set up their policies, their processes, and their procedures. They've got their engagement letter and talked to the clients up front about what's going to be expected of them and what's due to the firm and when. But still... Accounts receivable can be a headache for these firms as they get in trouble with clients who don't pay and they get deep in the hole. Are there any other tips that you can provide that could help them to get paid through this process? Yes, there is. I think it goes back to what the bill looks like. This is actually, uh, you have to think of the bill when you send it to your client like a story that helps your client understand what it is that you're doing for them. So when you enter your time, you need to be more descriptive of what you're doing for them and how it's helping them benefit you know, benefit them as a client. For example, if you just send them saying that you were researching something for for two hours and it says research, that's not going to help them. If it's saying research other cases relevant to being able to quickly settle this case, that's very different. I think that they're more likely going to pay that second one and they understand what it was that you were doing to help them win their case. So I think that definitely it's really understanding and making sure that they are really clearly looking at the bill, and you can't just use a whole bunch of legal jargon. You've got to put this in terms that your clients will understand and how it benefits them. Yeah, and I was just going to say to that point, how it benefits them part, I think, could be really important. Not only telling them exactly what you did, but why it's valuable to them. Would you agree with that? Yes, I do. I agree with that. Well, my main tip would be on timeliness. I have seen studies that indicate that when you're billing by the hour and you, you enter time you know, for a specific date, that time between, say, zero and 60 days is paid most of the time right away. 
it starts to drop off between 60 and 90, and it actually dramatically drops off after 90 days. Now, I'm not talking about receivables here. I'm talking about work and when you bill it. So if you are holding off on bills for a long period of time and not billing the client on a monthly basis, you are inviting them to challenge things. You know, if you think about it, people are happy. If you get a good result for somebody, they're happy at that point in time. That's when you need to bill them. You know, you don't want to wait two months when that sort of that, that shine is worn off, you know, for that great result you got for them, and then bill them, you know, 60 days after the fact. Who knows what might have happened in that interim, but if nothing else, it just isn't fresh in their mind. So bill people on a timely basis. And sort of related to that, you know, when you think about collections and you think about getting paid, the first report everybody thinks of is their accounts receivable report. You know, who owes me money? How old is that time? And so on. But what I'm saying here is that your work in process report is really just important. You don't want work in process to sit out there for long periods of time because you are much less likely to be paid if you take too long to bill that time. Yeah, it would seem that clients will have the same sense of urgency about paying your bill as you did about getting it to them. Exactly right. And to add to that, when I think about that work in progress report, you know, it's not just from an attorney's perspective. Usually there's, if they do, if it's a larger firm where they have a billing person, they're typically running these WIP reports out, sending them out to the individual responsible attorney who then kind of reviews them, marks off, I'd like to get pre-bills for these particular clients, things like that. And I do know that there's sometimes uh, restrictions based off of depending what type of law you practice, insurance that might be like a quarterly bill or a six-month bill that's out there. But in those cases, you might not have that same type of an issue where it's not just a consumer client that's out there. This is actually a large company. But it's really important, too, that they're not just looking at these things individually. It's if there's a managing partner, once the bills are actually produced for that month, it's important to rerun that WIP report because if there's still things that are outstanding and and getting very old, as you had said, Jeff, I think it's important to take a look at those, you know, with the exception of those clients who ask you to bill quarterly or semi-annually and really take a look because it might be a different responsible attorney who's kind of pushing off a particular, you know, bill. And I think that those have to be looked at really closely. And to expand on that just a little bit more, in any business, cash is king. I mean, so you want to be paid as quickly as possible. And to do that, you have to get your bills out on a regular basis. So this is going to not just improve your collection rates, your realization rates and so on, but it's going to just simply improve your cash flow and make sure that you have money on a more timely basis to pay your own bills. So get your bills out on a timely basis. Yeah. It all goes to what my grandfather used to tell me. I said, nothing in this world loses value faster than services already rendered. All right. So these are great tips from both of you. I really think they could be helpful. But let's face it, some folks that are listening to this, some firms, even though these are great tips and can be implemented right away, they're already in a pickle. They're in the hole. They've got an accounts receivable nightmare, and they need to get out of it. Do you have any recommendations for some steps they can take to accomplish the digging out as well as how to move forward? Well, I always talk about stopping the bleeding. So I do know if, if you are in that situation in a pickle and you just find yourself continually, the first thing you do is stop the bleeding. And that means from this point forward, any new customer that comes in, any new client that comes in, 
you need to set it straight so that at least you're not continually adding to the pile of your collection issues that you might be running into. So set up a collection strategy. You know, start out by documenting what's actually happening now. And when you actually document it out, like even on just a piece of paper with a pencil, and you're just kind of like putting a little flow chart of who does what and how it's working, you'll clearly start seeing where there's gaps and where there's areas that you can actually improve on. And you need to then start doing the, the second thing I was talking about earlier in the in the show, which was, Set up some policies, and if you do, as uh, if you have several different attorneys that are in the firm and they each have their own collection processes, and you see one that's actually working well, right, or one that has set up some policies, say if, if there's uh, three attorneys and one doesn't have a problem collecting, take a look to see what's actually working there. So you want to take a look at what's working, and you want to be able to say maybe that's something we should implement with the other two areas of practices that are in the firm, and try to come up with these guidelines at the firm level because billing goes out at the firm level. And it's a representation of the firm's brand. And then that way they can continually start building on more of these policies and procedures and then get those in place so that anyone new coming in the door, you're not continuing to bleed. I think another thing that I think is really important is that for some clients, if you are reaching out to them or if someone's reaching out to them that's past due and you start making a real effort to contact them, if it seems like they're willing to work with you, set up a payment schedule or discount what they owe, accept a credit card, work with them if they're willing to pay you. I know that there's going to be some who might clearly say that they just cannot, and at that point in time, you might either want to send that to a collection agency. I would use that as a last resort, but if you had to, you can go that route, or sometimes uh, it may be too late and you may end up having to write that off. And just to follow up on your second point there about, you know, you may have to work something out, Something is better than nothing. You know, at some point, we may come to, uh, you know, the place with an account where, well, look, we're not going to be able to get that full amount that we billed for. But getting something is certainly better than getting nothing at all. Yeah, and I, I kind of like to look at this, can take that a step further and say, if I had to send an account to collections, collection agency is going to charge, you know, a fee for that, maybe, you know, maybe even a contingent type fee of 20%, 30% or something like that. You know, in the end, I would rather just sort of discount at 20% to the client than pay a collection agency. Now, of course, you may not get action on it unless you bring in a collection agency, but, you know, be flexible. If you feel they simply don't have that money to pay you or, you know, they're not going to pay you the full amount, just be willing to be flexible because getting something's better than nothing. And the other tip I would give you here is I talked about this earlier, you know, there's got to be a process for who's going to call and when and so on. Consider having the lead attorney make the call when you have some sort of collection issue. There's just some sort of human tendencies, if you will, that come into play there. People are more willing to speak to and, you know, and just be cordial with and work with someone that they know. So if a particular attorney is who they've communicated with all through that case, and now you kind of turn it over to your billing department and they have, you know, to them, a stranger calling the client, you know, they may be less willing to take the call, they're less cooperative, you know, have the lead attorney call Put that into your system. I know it's, as I said, the last thing an attorney wants to do, but have that lead attorney do that call because the client is going to be more willing to talk to the person they've worked with all along. That makes total sense. And to your point about something being better than nothing, I think a lot of attorneys, and Jeff and Loretta, you've probably both seen this, you know, carry these 90, 120, 150-day receivables under some illusion that that money will actually come in, when the truth is that I think getting something earlier is better than the nothing that they're almost certain to get later. I think that a lot of people take the strategy of, well, I'm going to wait till they call me again and need something else. 
and, and that's when I'll hit them up for the money that they already owe me. Because, again, that's an example of a bad client that you probably don't want to work with. It's much better to get something and then not take them as a client the next time around. You know, there is one more thing that came to mind, Chris, that I, I thought about on that. When you're working with those clients, it kind of starts up in the beginning. It's not only when you first take that client in. You know, a lot of times lawyers have access to a lot of these different online services. There's, you know, flat fee, monthly fees that they can pay to do. They can do a credit check on their client. I think it's really important. I do think that taking a retainer up front, um, if you've had, depending on what type of law especially, it might be very helpful to have that. And I think you need to hold your guns on that. I think that if, you know, if you require 50% down, what do you think the service is going to be? And they say, I can't afford that. You know, you have to really hold true because if it's really important to them, they'll find that 50%. And, you know, it protects you. It protects your staff who's working for you. And I think it's really important to make sure that you're doing this for a good reason. So it sounded like the basic message here is, first of all, clean up your house and get the procedures down for how you're going to let your clients know what is expected of them and to get your internal procedures of how to send the bills out. And then, of course, for the hole that you've got, you've given some great strategies for how to dig out from those, having the lead attorney call, making sure to uh, accept something instead of nothing. It just sounds like some great plans to help with this issue of the art of getting paid. Any last comments, Jeff or Loretta, before we wrap up today? I think that my first comment would be, you know, if you've got a problem with collections, start today. Don't put it on your list. I'm going to work on that 30 days from now. It's start now if you've got a problem. And, and frankly, start now looking forward as well. You know, avoid these problems in the future. All right. Well, thank you both. So that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Remember that you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to see you again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app.